Hey, thank you for joining me today for our weekly devotional. I'm Justin Allison. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Greenwood Baptist Church. And today we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 2. Last time we talked about Psalm chapter 1, and we mentioned that it was an introduction to not only the first book of the book of Psalms. Remember, there are five books to the book of Psalms, uh, much like there are five books in the Torah, the, the first five, the Pentateuch, uh, first five books of the Old Testament. Um, seems to be that uh, the Psalms were arranged in a way to sort of correspond to the five books of the Torah. And so Psalm 1 introduces us to that entire corpus and leaves us asking the question of which path are we going to choose? Are we going to choose uh, the path of the godly or are we going to choose the path of the wicked? And so as we have that in mind now, we start to get into Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 uh, begins the first book of Psalms. And so it introduces us to this idea of the king and what the ideal king should be like. And so let's go to Psalm chapter two and read that today. And then we'll talk about a couple of things from that Psalm. All right. So Psalm two from the NLT, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The Kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and his anointed one. Let us break their chains. They cry and free ourselves from slavery to God. Verse 4, but the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask, and it will be given to you. The Uh, Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son, or he will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities. For his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. So there's a couple of different ideas here in this psalm that we want to talk about today and then talk about how that can apply to our life in the 21st century. So the psalmist here writing, and again, this is a psalm that we're not given a title for. Um, The titles generally tell us uh, who wrote it and maybe what the occasion is uh, or, or the style in which it's supposed to be read or sung. Uh, in this case, we, we don't have that. And so some would argue that this would be a psalm of David. There's good evidence for that because the New Testament ascribes this song uh, to David. Um, and so uh, that could be one, one reason for doing that. Um, that's generally the pathway I'm going to go. And so um, we should remember, though, this is not actually labeled as a psalm of David. Uh, But I think because the New Testament considers it to be a psalm of David, that we should do that as well. So the first part of this psalm, uh, the first three verses, asks the question about uh, who are 
what what do the kings of the earth, that's how they're called uh, in, in verse two, the kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord. And so this comes, remember, immediately following Psalm 1, which is asking the question, which pathway are you following? And so these kings are obviously following the path of the wicked. They're against uh, the Lord and his anointed one, we're told in verse 2. So naturally, their inclination is to try and throw off that that uh, yoke of slavery from what they've called this, uh, the yoke of slavery to God. They want to, to, to run from God. They're literally pursuing wickedness, uh, opposite of the pathway of God, right? Then we're presented with a picture of what uh, the Lord looks like in heaven. He's laughing. He's scoffing at them, at their pride and how they think they are above God. Then in anger, he rebukes them, uh, terrifying them with his fierce fury. And the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, my holy mountain. That's in verse six. And then verse seven talks about, uh, well, let's go back to six. In in verse six, we see uh, Jerusalem on my holy mountain. David ruled from Jerusalem. He was the first one that did that uh, from Mount Zion there. Um, The temple was built in that site by Solomon later. And so this is sometimes called a royal psalm, talking about how um, the king is uh, anointed by the Lord and uh, and meant to rule over the people. So definitely that idea is supported and, and given um, name here in, in verse 6. But then in verse 7, we get an interesting twist. Um, the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And generally, uh, this has been ascribed to, um, and, and as we read in the New Testament, um, this is a, a way of showing that this is actually talking about Jesus. Uh, and so this psalm, we find out later, is actually not only about an earthly king, an earthly Israelite king, but about a future heavenly uh, sort of king and, as well. And more specifically, I guess I should say, in the past, it's describing this as before time, before anything has has happened, uh, before creation, um, the son uh, is is unique and distinct from the father. And so um, then we're told a little bit about what the son's uh, reign is going to look like here on earth. Um, we'll see this partially in the person of David and Solomon. Um, we'll see a glimpse of it again later on through some other Davidic rulers, but we won't see it fully until the time of Jesus' second coming. And this is what we see in verses eight and nine. Uh, if, if it says, only ask, and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. So that son of God, Jesus is going to rule over the whole earth. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. So it's a, it's, it's a picture of the earthly reign, the total reign of the Lord Jesus. And again, it's something that will be glimpsed under the time of David and Solomon, but not fully realized until we get to the second coming of Jesus. The reason I say that is because 
David and Solomon uh, were great kings, conquered a lot of places. And under Solomon, it seems to be that the, um, the expanse of the land of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, I should say, seems to be pretty well matched up with the predictions about the size of the land given to the patriarchs in Genesis. And so it seems to be that, uh, let's say Solomon has uh, brought about this earthly reign of God, but the only difference is uh, the whole earth is not his possession. Um, And so that's why I say it's got to be a glimpse of something that's coming in the future. Then, as a response to that fact, uh, the psalmist tells us that the kings should act wisely and be warned because the Lord, uh, the Lord's son, is going to judge them. That's what we're told in verse twelve, and this is really uh, where we can take away some things from this psalm. So, you and I are given, um, I would say, by God, given authority in different areas in life. Uh, one of the charges in the, uh, the book of Genesis is for us to, to rule and to um, manage God's creation. So each of us in our, in our areas of life, whether we're, we're parenting children, if we're stay, a stay-at-home parent, uh, whether we're um, working and doing something um, in that fashion, we have an area that we are in charge of and that we need to live out well. And so that's the area where we need to make those choices. Which path are we going to follow here, as Psalm 1 pointed out? And then in Psalm 2, which we've just read and talked about, we can either be like the the wicked kings who are going to rebel against the Lord and try to throw him off, or we can live in light of that coming future messianic reign of Jesus, and we can submit to God's royal son. Uh, we can We can do the things of the Lord. We can follow his commands, his word, um, his teachings in the New Testament and the Old Testament. And so by doing that, uh, we are protected from um, this second coming of God's royal son, where in verse 12, we're just, we're, we see that uh, his anger flares up in an instant. And then conversely, but what a joy for all who take refuge in him. And that's the future hope that we have uh, when we read Psalm 2 as believers. Uh, and that's how that can apply to us in the 21st century. If we're making those good decisions, if we are putting the Lord first in all that we do in the areas that he's given us to be in charge of, then what a joy it will be for all who take refuge in him. And that's where our joy comes from, is, is ultimately in knowing that we're uh, following the Lord, that we're on, um, we're on the correct side of the Lord's judgment. Uh, it's popular nowadays to say uh, that we want to be on the right side of history. Well, I think it's more important for us to say that we want to be on the right side of the Lord's decrees and we want to be following him uh, in the day of judgment. So I hope that's helpful for you today. And uh, if it has been, I hope you'll share that with someone else. And we would also love to connect with you at church, whether that's at the information desk or you can email me anytime, jallison at greenwoodbc.com. Thank you.